That was good. Good morning, church. Thanks, Tim. Don't you just love how um, God sometimes echoes some things? You know, two weeks ago when I was doing communion, it was exactly the same word. You know, that God was saying, I'm proud of you. And, and when you're prepared to say, God, oh, forgive me again. You know, he, he, from that moment on, he says, you know, oh, with you I am well pleased. Isn't that good how God sometimes echoes that? Okay. Good. <laughs> it's going to be a great morning. <laughs> Whew. Well, um, I want to share with you this morning from Ephesians chapter 1. Now, um, I was thinking um, about this whole passage and I was, I mean, you, I was just watching on telly something the other day about how there's some, um, uh, there's some guys over in Afghanistan and Iraq and how the Americans are pulling out of Iraq. And uh, a lot of the guys, when, you, when they were interviewed and asked what kept them going, it was their family. So it was because of their family. They had a motivation to actually keep pushing on. And um, sometimes for us as Christians, we lack motivation, don't we? You know, we go through week by week and we go through struggle by struggle and we think, flip God, where are you in all this? But sometimes we actually need to take that same sort of motivation that those soldiers do when they're in combat or when they're in a combat area where there is a threat against their life. Well, I want you to know this morning there is a threat against your life. So if we can actually grasp hold of God every day, and it's important that we do, and we grab hold of him, and when you do read the Bible, if you get a chance to read it each day, good on you. If you don't, I want to encourage you to give it a go. But when you start to read it, and sometimes little gems jump out, and you think, I want to grab hold of that, God, because I don't know when I'm going to need that next. And it's just like those guys that are in the combat area they don't know when they're going to have to think about, I've got to get through this situation because I've got a wife and kids at home. And if I don't get home, they're not going to have a dad or a husband. Well, it's the same for us as Christians. We've got to hold on to God. Got to hold on to God. Ephesians chapter 1. Sorry, I'm not black. Not like the uh, bloke that we saw just earlier, full of passion. Uh, I went to a black church in 92 in uh, South Central LA. It was the most mind-boggling experience of my life. Uh, it, was, it was like a half a dozen of us white guys, and everyone was black. And uh, people all around this, yes, sir, pa- preacher, pastor, that's wonderful. Uh, bring it on. Yes. Well, we were like, whoa. <laughs> so I'm not like this black fella. So uh, anyway, Ephesians chapter 1. I, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle. I'm reading from the Message Bible too. A special agent of Christ Jesus writing to you faithful Christians in Ephesus. I greet you with the grace and peace poured into your lives by God our Father and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations... He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. 
Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in all, on all the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all about before us in Christ. A long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you once heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first instalment on what's coming, a glorious reminder that we get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. Um, this is probably my favourite book in the Bible. I, I love the OT, the Old Testament. It, um, it inspires me, sorry. I love, I love the Old Testament. It just really inspires me. I look at all the different characters within in that book and, and I think of how there's a people who could put faith in a God, yet it was only it was sort of one way, in a sense, that they had to sacrifice things to actually get to God. Whereas that, for us today, a sacrifice was given so we can get to God. So it just mind, it blows my mind how time and time again, you see these men who were grown up in the Old Testament and they had to go and fight in wars and fight in battles and people didn't like them and so you know, they would try and cut them down. But they still had a faith in God. They knew Yahweh. We look to you, Yahweh. I love that song. So for us, we got something to grab hold of. Now, this book, I love it. Paul is a great writer. And during the time that um, this book was written, I just want to give you a little bit of history. Ephesus was actually um, a very important city in Asia. It was a port city, and everything seemed to come in and out of Ephesus. So it was like a port on the way to somewhere. It was very important. And in that town, there was a, a huge temple to um, a god called Diana. And um, in its day, they believed that this temple was actually one of the seven wonders of the world. And many, many people would come to Ephesus, not just for the, the trade and the, and the ports and so forth, but would actually come there to worship this God. Now, uh, in Paul's life, he went through Ephesus twice on his missionary journeys. And once it was just a, a quick little breeze through. And another time he went and he stayed there for a couple of years. And he actually helped start up the church and, and really get it going. And uh, during this time, and you, you can read it in Acts chapter 19, um, many, many people come to know Jesus. Many, many people. So much, in fact, that the traders who used to actually make um, trinkets and um, it's like, foreign, like little gods and stuff, people would have to come and buy them and then go to the temple of Diana and would offer them to the temple. And so there was actually a, a little bit of a thing going for the, the, the marketeers that were making these little trinkets and stuff, and the temple. Uh, I've got a 
don't hold this to me, but I've got a funny feeling that when people would actually give them to the temple, that whoever was looking after the temple would give them back to the same people and there'd be like a little bit of a, a rort going. So during this whole time, because um, Paul was so infectious with the gospel and many, many people came to know him, um, not so many people wanted to go and worship Diana anymore. Instead, they were going to a church. Instead, they found God, the real God, Yahweh. And uh, these guys didn't like it too much, so they started a riot. They wanted to kill Paul. And you can read all that in Acts chapter 19. So then this letter, this book of Ephesians, is a letter that was written by Paul when he was actually in Rome. He was chained to a Roman soldier, and uh, he was in house arrest. He was awaiting for his own uh, judgment, and he was about to be executed. And he figured that that was coming. However, he still had the church on his mind. He wanted people to come and know the real God. And this is why he wrote this book. So this book was written about five years after his last trip when he was in jail. And uh, yeah, so that's a little bit of history for you. Just gives you a bit of background to what we're reading. The first two verses, I love it. Don't you love it when um, someone says to you, uh, you haven't caught up with someone that you're, you're pretty close with, maybe a family member, a uh, close friend, even maybe a mentor of some kind that you might be just talking to them and all of a sudden they just drop this little gem and it sits and it's like, oh, I needed to hear that. Has everyone had that happen? Uh, had that happen to me a couple of times? Well, how's this? The way that Paul opens it up, he says in verse 2, I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives. Wow. Just those two little words. That's the gospel right there. Grace and peace. When you come to understand the grace of God, all of a sudden his peace fills your life. And so right at the very beginning, Paul goes whack and he goes to the church, grace and peace to you. I think that's just the roof just stretching a little bit. Verse 3, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. I love verse 4. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. I was thinking about this just uh, yesterday. I, I sort of sat back at my desk and thought, he had me in mind. And I looked at my hands and I thought, I've got 10 different fingerprints. And then I thought about my eye and I thought, you know, how there's, uh, you know, you see on movies when they go up to the, the scanner and they scan their eyes. So everyone's got a different eye print as well as a different fingerprint as well as a different toe print. And then my DNA is completely my DNA. I was just sitting there thinking... He had me in mind. Now, at the minute, there's six billion people living on the earth. So that's six billion different times ten fingerprints, times ten toe prints. And then there's all the people that we've had in history. And then there's people who are yet to come. Does that not just... I can't contain that. That he had me in mind before he decided to create the earth. I love that. Now, 
It goes on to say that in verse... Four, I think it is, that he chose us. Now, many people actually, theological people, uh, um, this actually can be swayed one way or the other. So some people can say, well, you know, being chosen, well, once I've accepted Jesus, I've always got into the kingdom of God, doesn't matter what I do anymore, end of story, I'm chosen. I don't know, I don't, it doesn't really quite sit with me in that theology, but... When I look through it a little bit more, uh, I, I think it's a little bit broader than that. Has anyone seen the movie Gladiator? It's one of my all-time favourites, except for the blood and guts, because I would faint otherwise. Um, but right towards the end, the hero Maximus, he's just fought the emperor, and uh, um, he's had a severe injury and he's about to die. He knows he's dying. And he sort of start, you see him actually start to visualise and he's, he, he, he looks down this, it's like a, an old road somewhere in Spain and, and there's sort of like these weedy sort of grass here and there and there's this amazing looking limestone wall. It looks awesome. And right in the middle of the wall is this old rustic gate. I mean, I look at that and that just, it just looks awesome. But he, he sort of sees himself stumbling towards the door, to the gate. And then as he goes to push the gate open, he starts to see what's on the other side. And then he sort of comes to and realises that he's still here on planet Earth and gives a, an order. And then they say to him, you know, go, leave to them. And so then you start to see him look through the gate and there's this awesome looking road with these big poplar trees either side of the road. The grass looks green and lavish and it's heading up towards a mansion and he looks at it and he sort of smiles because he realises what he's going to. On one side of the wall, there's this weedy sort of grassed area that there's, there's nothing attractive about it except for that wall to me and those gates. But then on the other side, he sees his wife who has passed, and his little son who had passed. And he sees this mansion and he sees the poplar trees. The very things that he had dreamt of, that he'd hoped for, is on the other side of the wall. Now, for me, just to simplify it a little bit, I reckon when we accept Jesus, and this is the whole choice thing, because it says in the Bible that before the foundation of the earth, he chose us. Now, everyone has a choice. We all get to choose. And it's that gate. Do we choose to open the gate and walk through it? Or do we choose not to? Do we choose to be satisfied with what we have here? Or can we actually open the gate and go into what God has prepared for us? Now, and that's not the end of our physical life. That's our life now. That's the beauty of the choice. When we get to accept Jesus and say, God, I need you in my life when we get to push open that gate and walk into what he has promised. Now, some people will choose not to open that gate. Some people may have chosen to open the gate, had a look and and had a bit of a taste of what's there, but then decided and got distracted and chose to walk back outside the gate. So they actually really haven't had a chance to, to dwell in what God's chosen plan is for us. Is that good? Now, for example, if I take Tim and Andy, 
Now, I've known Tim for a lot of years, but let's just say that we're just meeting for the first time. Now, Tim chooses not to accept the relationship that we're going to begin. He's like, yeah, Stu, thanks, but no thanks. However, Andy, on the other side, he looks at me and goes, yeah, Stu, uh, that'd be great. Let's get to know each other. Let's have a bit of fun. Da, 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 and, and away we go. And then as a result, as time goes on, um, I get to have a chat with Andy and, and he starts to reveal that, you know, sometimes I'm doing it a bit hard. And so because I'm hearing these things, I actually plan in advance for Andy. Well, if this person was to get in touch with Andy, I know that what he has can help him get through that situation. Like, um, he needs some welding done. Well, I know a bloke who actually has a workshop just over the road. So I'll get in touch with Greg and get Greg to get in touch with Andy so that he can look after it for him. Andy's unaware, doesn't realise. Greg comes along. I need realise you need some help. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Stewie told me. Fantastic. Now, these are the sorts of things. So, but with Tim, however, I could have been able to help Tim. He could have had a wonderful deck made out the back. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we could have built this amazing gazebo and all sorts of things, but because he chose not to uh, have that relationship with me, However, he missed out. But that was his choice. Now, the thing is, is if Tim had t- accepted that, he would have got that. Does that make sense? It's the same with us with God. Now, if we choose to grab hold of God, he will start to lavish it out. That's what it just says. But if we choose not to, that's okay. That's your choice. But you miss out. It's as simple as that. To me, anyway. I love this, uh, I came um, across this um, quote by a scholar called Matthew Henry and he says, all who are chosen to happiness as the end are chosen to holiness as the means. Let me read that again. I want you to sink it in. All who are chosen to happiness as the end are chosen to holiness as the means. That means... Those things that Maximus was heading towards, now for him to get those rewards and stuff, there's a means of him getting there. There, There's a way of us getting there. It's like me wanting to go back to LA. Now there's a a way of getting there. Now I can jump on a plane and that will get me there. If I was to walk, I ain't going to get there. There's a big bit of water between us. It's the means, the means of getting there. So, so what has God has chosen for us, and it's the happiness that's at the end, because that happiness is actually living with God forever. The means of getting there is actually every day jumping into the Bible and saying, God, what, how can you help me today? What's in there that will just help me get through this? Um, oh, wow, that's awesome. I want to share that with Ali, because I reckon that's going to encourage him. Well, I know that. Wow, God, thanks. Hey, Dunks, <laughs> I, want to, I want you to look at this passage because I reckon God's got something to say there for you. It's amazing what will happen when you start to look in the Bible. God will not only speak to you, but he will actually use you to speak to other people. Okay, number two, he has adopted us. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. In Roman law, 
which is the background of Paul's writing because he understood Roman law pretty well. In Roman law, adopted children actually enjoyed the same rights as natural children. So when he starts talking about adoption, he's saying, you know, you may not have been part of the family, but now you are. Um, Madonna and Brangelina. Over the last few years, you may have heard how Madonna's been going backwards and forwards to Malawi to, to adopt children from Malawi. And Brad and Angelina have uh, picked up three kids, I believe, from three different countries around the world. And those countries have actually been poor, poor nations. They've adopted them. So those kids that have grown up in that environment and they've only been four, five, maybe six years of age when they were adopted, they were in sheer poverty, mud huts. Um, I mean, give us an example, Jermaine, Africa, you know, you could just imagine it, couldn't you? Like even from Vietnam, those kids are, you know, they're doing it hard day by day because they have nothing. And yet these superstars, these megastars, come into their country and say, I want to adopt you. And they are allowed to, and they end up going back to their home. And all of a sudden, they've gone from sheer poverty to sheer wealth. Uh, anything that they need, anything that they want, it's given right then and there. Um, if they need people to help them with their schooling, it's not an issue. If they need someone to help them with their soccer training, it's not an issue. There's someone there. If there's someone that, that just like someone to take them here and there and everywhere and to listen to the kids as they're growing up, it's not an issue. It's exactly the same for us. When we were adopted by God, here we were in sheer poverty because we had nothing. All we had was ourselves. And the beauty about ourselves is we stuff it up every time. But then God comes in and says, no, 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 no. I want to adopt you. And get this, he adopts us as one of his own. That means we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Jesus is God's son. So the very thing that God has planned for Jesus Christ is the very thing that he has planned for us. Just think that through for a second. Every day I trip over, I'll stumble, I'll tell the kids off for not doing something and I probably go off my head and I probably should just use a little bit more caution, a little bit more wisdom or, you know, at work when you're dealing with clients or you're dealing with employees or we make mistakes every day, don't we? Every single day. Sometimes with our spouses, sometimes with our friends. And we don't do it intentionally but there's that selfishness and there's that us that just gets in the road. Yeah, but then all of a sudden God takes us out of that and says, no, I want to adopt you into my family. All of a sudden, I want to reveal everything for you because you've got the potential. I love it how he says here in, in um, uh, the Message Bible, what pleasure he took in planning this. That means he takes pleasure in me. He takes pleasure in you. Just like when I was looking at my hands, he actually takes pleasure in in me, he, not only did he think about having individual fingerprints, but he actually thought about my character, who I am, who I can be. And he looks at that and goes, yeah, Stu, you can be my son. Yeah, he takes pleasure in that. All right, moving on. Blessings from the son. He has redeemed us. 
in him we have redemption through his blood, which is in the NIV. Uh, the message says, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, is an amazing verse. There's several times you'll read through the Bible and angels are mentioned. And in here, Peter is uh, looking at these angels and, and he talks about how these angels long to look into these things. And these things is us. And, and so what Peter is saying there is the angels actually don't understand what it's like to go from sin to grace. Because all they've been doing is they've, they've dwelt in grace. They've dwelt in holiness. They've dwelt with God. But for us, we've come out of darkness and we come into light. We've come out of sin into love. And the angels, they look at us and go, wow, they get to know what Christ did for them. We get to know God and worship God because that's what we're created to do. But these guys, they get to know what it is to come into that. Wow. So the angels actually look at us and, you guys are lucky. And that's just the way that they are. They long to look into these things. We're redeemed. Sounds like a funny word. comes from a couple of Greek words, but it basically means paid the ransom price. So we're redeemed neither by power nor truth, but by blood, that is, by the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus. He has forgiven us. And second part of verse 7 says, We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. I love that. Because sometimes it's like, you know, I'm sorry, God. Did he really forgive me for that though? And just like what Tim was saying before and like what I shared two weeks ago, when we come to God and he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well. Every time you come up and say, God, please forgive me. He then turns his responses, this is my son whom I love. This is my daughter whom I love. And with you I am well pleased. I love that. That's a God who loves me. That's a God who, who wants to have a relationship with me. And, and not just because of something that I can do, but just because of who I am. There's freedom in that, abundantly free. I mean, I, I just talked about adoption and, and coming into a family, but, you know, from poverty into a family, but let's expand that just a little bit further. And let's just say that. Um, I've done a very bad, bad thing. And as a result, I'm, I'm sentenced to life in jail. My penalty is life in a cell. But then God looks at me within that cell and says, I adopt you. So not only has he adopted me out of poverty, but he's actually paying a price to take me out of jail to then take me in. Isn't that awesome? Uh, we're not just going from one family to another, but he's actually taking me out of something that I deserved because I did something that was wrong. So therefore my penalty is forever in this cell. But all of a sudden God takes me out of that and actually gives me something else. Grace, life, life to the fullness. And Jesus, he's revealed God's plan. In verse 8, 
He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. We are saved to be restored to the divine purpose of creation, to bear the image of God and bring him greater glory. I mean, just before when we were just worshipping God with that song, Yahweh, oh, man, I started getting, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck starting to stand up because I was able to stand there and worship God because God was just going, thanks, Stu, for loving me. And yet that's part of his plan. He wants us. You know, like, I know we don't often speak a lot in church or we don't often encourage the pastor a great deal when he's preaching or we we don't often speak our praises or our worship out loud. But church, I want to encourage you. When we start entering into a time of worship, you start declaring the praises of God. You know, we were Yahweh, it's a one name of God. There are so many different names of God, and as you read the Bible, He's the bright morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning, He's the end. He was, He is, and is to come. These are just some of the names of God. And when we start to speak them out and we start to declare them, I tell you what, you'll start to find things falling off your case. Why? Because you're prepared to stand up and say, God, I don't care my situation. I don't care what I'm in, but I will declare the praises. I will. And the, that's the beauty of Ellie and Sam when they come up here and they strum. And, you know, like today, it's just a couple, a couple of crew on the, on the instruments, but it's like this is raw and this is good and God loves it because he's starting to hear us. He's not hearing the noise, he's hearing us. And so when we start to worship God and we start to declare what he does and what, man, things start dropping off, you know, it doesn't really matter about those sorts of things. Those, those issues aren't as deep as what I've made them out to be. And You know what, God, there's a bit of freedom within you and I can start to stand up and, and you know, like that black preacher there, he's bouncing around and, and it's like my brother-in-law, Charles, he's, he's just bouncing around everywhere and he's, he's like this and he'll, he'll preach and, and he can do that because he declares the praises of God. Well, people, we can start to get excited in him. And that is, that is liberating. That is liberating. I want to encourage you next time we get up and worship, just to start to declare the praises of God. He has given us an inheritance. An inheritance. I just spoke before about how um, we are actually co-heirs with Christ. An inheritance. And as we start to read, certainly in, towards the end of the Bible and you look in um, Revelation and stuff and you start to, to get a grasp and a picture of what heaven will be like, that's part of our inheritance, people. That's something that God set aside for us. You know, when I pass on, I hope to leave something for my three children. I want to leave an inheritance for them so they can push on. But that is nothing compared to what God has in, in store for me. Blessings from the Holy Spirit. He has sealed us. Um, Heidi likes watching like Jane Eyre and Pride and Prejudice. How many other girls like watching those sorts of movies? Yeah. 
how many other boys are like me that when they come on, it's like, just three of us, thanks boys, glad you're honest. I know Tim enjoys actually watching those movies. (laughs) But when you see that like in the old school, like the 18th century, 19th century, and you'll see like a dispatch rider that comes in and they've got a document and they they need the the noble or or the king or whoever it is and and they, they they're writing away and dipping it in the ink and they're writing away dipping roll it up and they get the candle drip 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 wax goes onto the document they put the candle down and with their ring they seal it <sighs> gives it to the dispatch off he goes and then whoever gets it as soon as they look at it they know exactly who it's from because there's a seal. There's a seal on that document and it says that has been provided by the King of Kings. That has been provided by the Lord of Lords. That wax is not wax, that's blood and that's his sign right there. And we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus into our life, it's not just a a decision that doesn't really matter. But what happens then, the Holy Spirit comes in and seals it. Now, this is definite. Now, this has been paid with a price. This has been bought. No, this person now has eternity with God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. I love it. Matthew Henry also writes, The sanctifying and comforting influences of the Holy Spirit seal believers as children of God and heirs of heaven. I love that. He is our guarantor, that signature or that 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 seal that the Holy Spirit puts, he also guarantors us. Sometimes when we keep falling back and we need God's forgiveness again, it's actually the Holy Spirit's guarantee that says, nope, come back here. That's how we can keep coming back to the very Father, saying, God, forgive me. Because we're, we take on the personality of Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit comes within us and encourages us. Every time we do something wrong and we start to feel convicted, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Just come back. Don't worry about it. Come back. Ask for forgiveness because you're going to get more freed up from this. How's that? Like God works. The Son works. The Holy Spirit works. They're working for us so that we can have that relationship with them. Good timing. It's just gone midday. I just want to pray. And I reckon I'd really like to sing that song again, Ellie. And if we can, just, uh, just enter into God and, uh, and start to declare some of his praises. And start to say, God, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you that you have accepted me. Thank you that you have sealed me. Thank you you have redeemed me. You have a plan for me. You have purchased me. You've given me an inheritance. You've adopted me. You chose me. Let's just pray and then we're going to stand. I'll get these guys to lead us into that song of worship. And uh, yeah, let's do that. Father, I want to thank you for everything that you do for us. For you are a mighty God. There is freedom within you. And God, even though our land needs rain, God, I pray that you would just hold it off for a couple of hours just so we can enjoy and spend time together. But Lord, right now I pray that as we get a chance to worship you again, 
as we declare your praises, as we, as we raise you up upon all our situations and circumstances. And God, if there's people here that don't know you, if there's people that have chosen to walk outside that gate, God, I pray that today, as we sing this song, as we worship you, that they would choose to open that gate, walk in and say, God, please forgive me. Come into my life again. Refresh me. Make me new. I want to know you more than I have ever before. May you be real for me when I chose to walk away. God, as we open up our hearts to you this time, Lord, let our words just be sweet, sweet words to your ears. We love you, God. We thank you for everything you've done. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.